This daily grind, I need one wine. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. Every day of my life is such a grind. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome back to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Acts chapter 20. And in the last podcast, uh, we ended uh, talking about these seven men uh, that were, if you will, Paul's entourage and uh, and how, you know, when Paul was getting ready to die uh, because of, of, of serving Jesus, uh, they're nowhere to be found. And, and he says, only Luke is with me. This is what he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so uh, coming back now to Acts chapter 20 and going back to these seven guys, Paul is going to send them on to Troas as he is there in Philippi. Uh, And he is going to wait until the Passover ends and he's going to eventually join them in Troas. And Luke tells us that it took five days from the time they left Philippi to get to Troas and to find these guys. And then he says that they stayed there and Troas for a week. And my question is, why is this significant? You know, uh, why does Luke keep giving us these details about how long they stayed at a certain place? Because so often the Bible is really vague. You know, it, it could be a, a one verse thing, and, and, you know, and years have passed by or months have passed by. Uh, but what gives, uh, what's cool about what Luke says here uh, about saying, how long they stayed at a certain place and he says that when Passover ended well that that right there gives us a time frame because Passover takes place according to our calendar in in the month of April but in the Hebrew it is in the month of Nisan Uh, Passover lasts for seven days and so it's gonna be a if you put it all together almost three weeks uh, that that's gonna pass and uh, during this time frame and also, Nisan is the first month of the new year. And when you put all this together, uh, you got you got Passover going on. It's ending. They're going to be traveling. They've traveled for five days. They, they, they find these men in Troas. They're going to hang out uh, with these men and the believers uh, in Troas for a week. And, and it's, uh, since it's in Nisan, it's the first month of the new year. People are excited about the new year and what's going on. And it's also the start of spring. So warmer weather is approaching or maybe already there. And what's really cool about what Luke says here is that uh, on the first day of the week, they gathered with the local believers. And uh, if you think about it, they had just celebrated the Passover and now they are with these brethren and it's the first day of the week and they're going to share in partaking of the lord's supper which you know we also call communion and and uh you may be wondering well what is the lord's supper what what is communion what and why are they partaking of it well uh i'll be brief as i can but i also want to be as detailed as i can 
And I would uh, ask you on your own time to go and read Exodus chapter 12. It's the second book of the Bible. You have Genesis, the creation account, and then you have Exodus. Exodus means exit. It's when uh, the Hebrew people were in Egyptian bondage and God is going to use Moses to lead the people out of the Egyptian bondage. And, you know, they're, they're going to be heading toward the promised land. And, and so in Exodus chapter 12, you, this is when you have all the plagues going on because Pharaoh does not want to let the Hebrew people go. I mean, he's using them as slaves. He's getting all this free labor and getting all these buildings built and all these, you know, things done uh, with this free labor and these, these slaves of the, the Hebrew people. And they're crying out to God, deliver us, deliver us, deliver us. And so God does, and this is how he does it when he sends these plagues. And the final plague is uh, that uh, if the death angel is going to be coming through the area, and uh, if you don't, if the death angel does not see the blood of a lamb, then uh, you're going to lose your firstborn uh, son. And so this is how the Passover was instituted. So here's what God tells Moses and the Hebrew people. And, and like I said, you can read all about this in Exodus chapter 12. But what they were told to do by God was to take a lamb that didn't have any imperfections. It couldn't be one that had a bum leg or, you know, it had this defect or whatever. It couldn't be junk. It had to be a perfect lamb without any imperfections. And they had to get to know this lamb a little bit. They had to raise it for a certain part of time. And and so the family would get kind of bonded to this lamb. And then they would have to kill the lamb and where they would eat part of it, and they would you know, later on discard the rest of it. Um, but they were to take, when they killed this lamb, they had to take hyssop, which was this leafy plant, and they would dip the hyssop in the, the lamb's blood, and they would take it, and they would smear or sprinkle the, the, the blood from that sacrificed lamb over their doorpost, around, around the edges of their door. And when the death angel came through, and if, if he saw the blood of that sacrificed lamb, he would literally pass over that house. And anybody that was inside that house was saved. They, they did not die. They did not lose their firstborn. The, the death angel literally passed over because of the blood of that sacrificed lamb. But if there was no blood on the doorpost, well, death was coming to that home and they would lose their firstborn which pharaoh ended up losing his firstborn which many egyptians did uh because they were not under the blood of the sacrificed lamb and so how does this tie in with the lord's supper or communion well jesus paul says in first corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 and, and like i said that was just a very minor detailed account of what the Passover is all about. You can read it in Exodus chapter 12. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He was the perfect lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. His, his blood saves us. It rescues us from death. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross in that empty tomb and, and being resurrected on the third day, we have hope. We can live for eternity with him in heaven because we who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and filled with his spirit, we have been washed 
in the blood of our Passover lamb. And so when God sees us, he looks He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And, and it's not because of anything we've done. It's, it has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross in shedding his blood because he loved us so much. Paul says, I believe it's in Romans 5, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It was God's eternal purpose in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 3 or Ephesians 4. It was God's eternal purpose that Jesus would have to die for the sins of the world. Um, Paul says that through Adam, you know, sin entered in. But through the second Adam, sin was taken care of. Jesus paid the price. And so God, if we've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, God doesn't see our sins, even though we're still sinners. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're, we're human beings. We, we are imperfect. We have impurities. We, we mess up all the time. I don't care if we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we're following God to the best of our abilities and we're, like Paul said, I die daily and, and, and we're trying to crucify the flesh. Sometimes this old flesh, this, this, car, this carnality of man rises up and, and we do stupid stuff. We make stupid choices. We go against the will of God. And, and that's what sin is, going against what God wants us to do. And, and so, you know, without Jesus, there's no hope. That's why we urge people all the time to give your life to Jesus because you are basically a dead man walking. Even though you have life, you don't have life. You have a heartbeat, you can breathe, and you can move about and do things, but spiritually you're dead. And without Jesus Christ, you're going to be separated and, and, and from God for eternity. And if you die in that situation, there's no second chances. There's no, there's no, okay, God, I, I see you now. I believe in you. Because the Bible says that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, in that day, he's, the people, there's going to be people say, hey, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You never had a relationship with me. You might have done stuff in my name, but you never had a relationship with me. I mean, that's why we urge people to be in the Word, reading their Word, praying on a daily basis, and trying to become more like Christ each and every day. Because, it, you know, what kind of relationship do you have with someone that you don't spend any time with? It sucks. It's not a relationship. I mean, what kind of marriage would a person have if, if, they're, if they never had any conversation or any uh, daily activities or met with their spouse at any time and just didn't spend any time together it would be a sucking marriage and it would end in a divorce very quickly and and so uh god has given us avenues and ways to spend time with him and to grow our relationship with him and paul says that jesus is that perfect lamb that was sacrificed for our sins and it's through Jesus and what he has done on, on the cross and the blood that he shed is why we can spend eternity with God. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23-26, Paul says this. He says, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. And you can go through uh, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see where Jesus was having the last Passover uh, as the, that night he's going to be betrayed uh, by Judas and, and 
by that morning he'll be hanging on the cross for six hours where he dies and then he's buried before six o'clock that friday evening because that would be the start of the sabbath so they had to get him in the grave in that tomb quickly uh, so they have he died at around three o'clock and they had three hours because the sabbath started at six so they had three hours to get him off the cross and into that into that tomb and then of course we know on the third day he was resurrected um but it's all it, it, all four gospels carry that account when jesus has that his last passover meal with his disciples and, and this is paul's uh rendition of that he says he says i pass on to you what i received from the lord himself on the night when he was betrayed the lord jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to god for it and he broke it in pieces and said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between god and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the lord's death until he comes again so that is why we take the lord's supper that is why we take communion because jesus said it reminds us of the sacrifice that he made on our behalf so that we can be reconciled to god we can be made friends again with god because of what he did on the cross and this it helps us to remember and never forget what jesus has done for us we'll dive more into this when we come back from break we'll be right back I've seen memes on social media that read something like this. Uh, they would say, life would be awesome if it weren't for other people. Well, you know, maybe you have that same thought. Maybe somebody has made you angry or, or maybe a group of people have made you angry or hurt you in some kind of way. And you're having a real hard time dealing with it. Well, let me encourage you to read Psalm 27. In verses 1 through 3, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, <clears throat> I will remain confident. So when someone has hurt you or made you angry, here's what we need to do. We need to take them and the situation before the Lord. In fact, pray to the Lord that he will bless them and that he will give you peace. Don't try to handle the situation all alone and make a mess of things. Give it to God and let him help you with it. And David ends Psalm 27 by saying, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So before the break, I was just explaining to you about uh, communion or the Lord's Supper and, and where that came from and, and why it was instituted. Uh, and like I said, you can read about that more in detail in Exodus chapter 12 and how Jesus is our Passover lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. And it's because of what Jesus did on the cross that we can accept him as our Lord and Savior and be baptized for the remission of our sins and his blood will wash our sins away and we're filled with the holy spirit of god who will guide us and and, and is 
is our seal until the day of redemption. When we take our last breath here on this earth, we will be spending eternity with God in heaven, all because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. And so here we are, we're in Troas, and Paul is, uh, is with his entourage, and, and, and they're meeting with the local believers, and they're going to take communion. They've gathered together because Paul is on his way through, and he's telling them that, you know, that I'm going to be leaving. You're not going to see me anymore. So, you know, really be on guard and keep this, this as your focus. Keep Jesus as your focus. Uh, partake of the Lord's Supper uh, the, every Lord's Day and, and, and re, be reminded of what Jesus has done for you, especially when things get heated and, and things get hard and because persecution is going to be coming and he's going to tell the elders in Ephesus here in a few minutes that uh, you know that, that outside influences are going to be trying to come in and destroy the church. People from the inside are going to be trying to destroy the church. But keep your focus on Jesus. And so as we move on, one thing that I want to point out um, is that when we read the Bible, we have to understand something, that they didn't count time like we count time. We, we usually go morning to evening. Well, in Genesis 1, when God created darkness and light, it says in uh, Genesis 1, 3 through 5, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. So we go by morning and evening. The Bible goes by evening and morning. And the reason why I bring this out is because uh, when they met with the local believers there in Troas, there's going to be a guy named Eutychus that's listening to Paul preach and Paul gets a little long-winded, not a little bit long-winded. He gets very long-winded because he's actually going to talk all night long. But you got to remember, this is the last time that he's going to see these people. So he's just trying to encourage them to stay faithful to Jesus. And so uh, as he's talking to these people, it gets dark. And the reason why it gets dark, because the first day of the week for them started at Saturday night at 6 p.m. And so it starts getting dark. It's late in the evening. They've got, uh, Luke says there's lamps that are flickering with flames. It's lighting up the room that they're in. And there's this guy by the name of Eutychus, and he's sitting in the windowsill, and he's listening to Paul speak. And, and as Paul is getting long-winded and just keeps on talking. He's sitting in that windowsill, and he gets sleepy. And, and at, the longer Paul keeps going, he falls asleep. And then he falls into a deep sleep. And when he falls into that deep sleep... He literally falls out of the window, and Luke says that the building that they're in, he was, third, he was three stories high, which would be about 30 feet, and he falls to the ground where Luke says he was dead. So I would, I'm just assuming, I'm guessing, because he doesn't, Luke doesn't say, but I, I assume he probably fell backwards, and he fell head first and broke his neck when he uh, hit the ground. And so uh, Eutychus was dead. You can just picture in your mind all these people rushing to that window to look out to see Eutychus lying there dead, lifeless. And Paul and, and probably others just take off running down the stairs and he gets outside and, and he just grabs Eutychus. And when he grabs Eutychus, a miracle happens instantly. Eutychus comes back to life. And Paul just tells everybody, hey, he's fine. Everything's okay. There's nothing wrong with him. 
I don't know if Paul ever told the people the, the, the guy was dead. Maybe he did later on. Maybe when they were traveling on the ship, going to another place. But Paul just, just turns around and looks at everybody and says, Oh, he, he's fine. No scratches. And the guy was laying there dead. Absolutely no, no breath, no life, no heartbeat, dead. In just a matter of seconds, a miracle uh, happened instantly. When, when Paul touches this guy's body, he's completely healed like nothing ever happened. And I, I've said this in, an, in a, another podcast uh, in the past, but dead people don't have faith. If somebody tells you that you're healing, you're not getting your healing, your healing isn't coming because you don't have enough faith, run as fast as you can away from that person and run to Jesus. Because dead people don't have faith. Paul, or God worked a miracle here through Paul and brought this guy back to life. And, you know, and, and, and I'm glad that God did this because Paul knew he was on his way out. And, and he wasn't going to be there to comfort the people. And this was their friend. And so God works a miracle and brings this guy back to life like nothing had ever happened. And if he had, it would have just be amazing if he had just broken his neck, if that's what happened, and it killed him instantly. And they never knew it. The guy just arises from the, he raises up from the dead, just like a resurrection, right there on the spot. And so Paul doesn't have this anxiety, or the, the, the group of believers didn't have this anxiety, or this death looming over them as Paul's leaving them, because they're already going to be sad, because Paul's, they're not going to see Paul anymore. And so... Uh, I just want you know. Just, I just want to encourage you by this story of Eutychus, and you can read this in Acts chapter twenty. That God is the God of the impossible, and, and and we face stuff all the time as we go through life that just seems like an impossible situation, and and it's easy to become full of fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. When we need to be uh, rising up in our faith. And, and, and believing in God and hoping and putting our trust in God, you know, it, it's easy just to let fear and anxiety uh, overtake us and, and worry becomes our God. And so I just want to challenge you, if you're facing a difficult situation right now, to turn that fear that you have into faith and, and let God take care of your situation. He, he will do that. He promises to. He is faithful. Uh, he will never let us down, as we talked about in the last podcast, uh, in the first part of Acts chapter 20. So they all go back upstairs. They take communion. They eat a meal. Paul keeps on uh, talking. As a matter of fact, he talks all night long until it's time for him to leave the next morning. And, and Luke uh, tells us that they, they sail on to, to Madeline. They, uh, they go past the island of Chios, and they go uh, to the island of Samos, and then they finally arrived in Miletus. And when they arrived in Miletus, Paul sends a message to the elders at Ephesus to come and meet him. He doesn't want to go into Ephesus because he'd have to be there for a while. So he sends for the elders to come. And uh, in Acts chapter uh, 20, verses 18 through 30, which is the, the rest of this chapter, we have what Paul says to them in this meeting. And in the remaining few minutes, I will try to... Uh, to cover that um, but he says when they arrived he declared to them you know 
from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now that I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, and the message is this, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing, nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And so I want to stop there just for a second and, and, and make a couple of comments. Because we, we look at life so much different than, than Paul does. You know, we, we value life by how much stuff we have, what kind of stuff we have, what kind of car we drive, how much money we have in the bank, what kind of clothes that we wear, what brand of shoes, what's the latest fashion, are we in the fashion trends, how many friends do we have on social media, how many people liked my post. You know, we, we look at stuff like that to find our worth. When Paul says, hey, my life is worthless if, if, if I don't finish what God has called me to do. And if you think about all these people that he's ministered to over these years and on, on all these journeys and the beatings that he's taken, the stoning that he took for, for the, the sake of preaching the gospel to the lost in every town that he visited, he says, this is all worthless if I don't finish what God has started in me and through me. And it reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, when he says, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and can steal it, because if you're putting your worth in that, it's going to be gone. Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy it, and thieves cannot break in and steal it. And then Jesus said this, wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will be also. And so my question is simple this, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Where is your where do you find your worth? Is it in Jesus or is it in all of this stuff that the world has to offer? That stuff is just temporal and it's fading. Jesus and what he has to offer is eternal. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 25 he says and now I know that none of you whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. And so he's given this charge to these elders, letting them know that, that the church is going to be in their hands. They're going to be put in charge after he is gone because he's not going to be around to help them anymore when trouble comes. He's, you've got to take control of, of, of your church, of your flock. And so if you're a leader in the church, pay attention, real close attention to what he says here. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out! Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for him. 
self. So, just a couple of comments here. He says, we're so concerned with the world and what's going on around us and what we should be uh, uh, looking for. Yes, we should be concerned with the world and what's going on. We don't want the worldly things to infiltrate churches, which we see that it is happening all the time. But, but what Paul says, you know, you're so focused on the outside and what's going on, don't forget about the inside. Because the enemy doesn't always use outside influences to do his work. He uses inside influences to do his work. He, he will literally use somebody on the inside and destroy the church from the inside out, not the outside in. I mean, look at Jesus. What happened to Jesus? One of his closest, matter of fact, when Judas was there in the garden and brought that army to arrest Jesus, the first thing Jesus called him was friend. So he's warning, he's giving these elders a warning. Yes, be concerned with what's going on around you and watch out for these false teachers that are going to be coming in and trying to destroy the church, but also be aware of the people who are on the inside because people who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ are still human and they still make bad decisions and they still can get greedy and you can just keep on going and going with a list. They get selfish, they get power hungry and I see it all the time in churches today. This still goes on. People want control and they will not turn loose of the control and they will literally destroy the church that they are associated with from the inside out. And so Paul says in verse 33, he says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes, and you know what these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a, a constant example of how you can keep those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive and so i'm going to say this and preachers today and churches they they're not going to like what i have to say here and and i want to first start off by saying i'm very thankful for the churches that have paid me a salary when i was a, a full-time pastor a full-time preacher uh, a full-time church leader um but i don't see anywhere going through the book of acts and through paul's journeys when he started these churches i don't see anywhere where churches took up offerings to pay a preacher or to pay a youth minister or to pay a worship leader or to pay a band or, or to pay an electric bill. But what I do see is where they worked and supported themselves. And, and that, uh, that's why I, I, I love it when people are bivocational, when they, they work outside the church to make their income and then they preach on the side. It's not a, um, a job, if you will. Paul just said that he, because he was a tent maker, so he would make tents and he would sell his tents. And so he would raise his own funds for this journey. And he made enough to, 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 to cover his expenses. And not only did he make enough to cover his expenses, but he covered the peoples that were with, that were traveling with him. He covered their expenses as well. So I got a challenge for you. Go tell your preacher next Sunday or the next time that y'all meet, tell your preacher and tell all your pastors to go out and get a real job and, 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 and instead of letting the church pay them 
And that way the budget would be a lot smaller because, you know, today these churches are paying a big, huge salary to, to, to these preachers. And some of them are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, you know, more power to them. Uh, but tell your preacher and your, your other pastors, however many you have in your church, to, uh, to go get a real job and support themselves and do the work of the church and see and watch the expression uh, that is on their face. Uh, I'm sure they, they're, they're not going to like what, what you have to say. Um, but like I said, I'm thankful for the, 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 the churches that paid me uh, throughout the years. And, and you know while I'm at it, why did I have to pay $33,000 for a piece of paper that says I have a Bible degree and now I can uh, get churches uh, to talk to me about being their preacher? I mean, why is that even necessary? I, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible where they had to go get a, a, a piece of paper to be able to preach about Jesus and tell people about Jesus. But yet our, our churches who have these big, huge budgets today are requiring people to have uh, a, a degree from a, a Bible college or uh, from a seminary to be able to preach the gospel. I mean, it, 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 we have just made such a mockery, in my opinion, uh, of what the church is seen to be in the book of Acts. And and, and uh, I will talk more about that, but I'm, I'm out of time on the podcast. I'm going to finish up with verse 36 when Paul says, or Luke says, when he had finished speaking, Paul knelt and he prayed with them. And they all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he said that he would that they would never see him again. And then they escorted him down to the ship. And so that would be the last time that they would see and hear from Paul again when he got on that ship and sailed on to the next area. And we'll pick that up in Acts chapter 21. But Paul says... He says, I, I stayed the course. When persecution came, when I went through all this hard stuff, I never shrank back. Meaning that when things got tough and I'm facing all these difficulties, these life challenges, uh, I just kept on being constant. I kept on preaching the message of the gospel, even in the face of adversity. And if I can encourage you in any way today as we close out this podcast, we have to do the same because the enemy will do anything that he can to discourage us. He'll throw anything at us in our lives. He wants to make us fear. He wants to make us be discouraged. He wants us to quit. But like Paul, we must keep the faith. We must keep going. And we must keep grinding until the Lord calls us home. And if you knew that you would be leaving this earth in a year, in a month, in a day, what would you change about the way you live? Why not start doing that now? Keep grinding. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Grind It Podcast. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your family so that they too can be encouraged by the power of God's Word. If you have any comments or questions, just email them to thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, keep grinding and God bless you.